The University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter. All over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Stanley Law Office's Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State and our great friends at Camillus Golf Club. Was there yesterday, uh, played 18 holes, sun and fun, and the greens were amazing, and it's just, it's really an impeccable shape, so make sure you stop in for uh, a beer and a burger afterwards as well at Camillus Golf Club, the official golf course of the ML Sports Platter in and around Central New York, traveling throughout the state of New York to try some new golf courses, put Camillus on your list. Well, I can't wait to talk some Islanders with this guy, Um, some Stanley Cup playoffs, we'll probably get into the Yankees, unfortunately, but... Uh, he's just a super crazy diehard Islander fan. We're going to talk to him about Nassau Coliseum, what that means uh, to him, that building now, and what it's meant in his life. Uh, and also as a former sports media guy, uh, worked uh, as a videographer for a very long time in sports television, uh, down for Bright House in Florida and Empire Sports Network in Buffalo, where we met when I was a youngster at St. Bonaventure. Let's bring in my man, John Kilb. Kilby, what's up, bud? Oh, Mike, man, it's fantastic to join you. Thank you. You must be just losing your mind over these Islanders. I mean, what a, what a run. What do you see in this team? How, how did they get here? Well, it starts with uh, the front office and the coaching staff. I mean, uh, Barry Trotz came in and just brought a winning mentality. And Lou Lamorello, the same thing. There were so many years that the Islanders had this great record but come the trade deadline, stood there and, and did nothing while Pittsburgh and Washington would make the moves that would get them past the Islanders come the playoffs. And this staff and, and management is not going to stand for that. They went out, they picked up J.G. Paggio last year at the deadline. This year they go get Palmieri and Zajac. And it really shows, I think, the other players that, hey, we're serious about this, we expect to win, and we, we're going to carry this through. Second straight year in the conference finals, um, again against Tampa. Uh, you know, Tampa's got a great team. you got to really admire the way they put a team together, too. But, boy, the Islanders are all heart, man. I mean, there's some talent, too, but that team just, they're mentally so tough and, uh, and work for, for every possession and everything they get. Does this team remind you at all, minus Dominic Hasek, of the Buffalo Sabres in the 90s? You covered that team. You covered cup runs. 
does it does it feel like that type of mentality to you? Uh, it does. It absolutely yeah. does. Um, you know, Lindy Ruff when you know brought a certain mentality that that you can see that Barry Trotz um, also brings. And you know, going back to those favorite teams, though, I mean, again, they worked hard and they had some talent, um, but it was always my opinion that Hashik really carried oh, yeah. that team. Yeah. I mean. They're not in the cup finals in 99 without Dominic Hasek. They're not, you know, not in the 98 Eastern finals without Dominic Hasek. Um, that team really relied heavily on Hasek being the best goalie in the world at that time. Um, the Islanders, listen, they don't have that. They, they play great defense and they've gotten good goaltending, but, Var, you know, Varlamov is not the guy that's, you know, as great as he's been, he's not standing on his head winning games for them, you know, like they're winning in other ways. They're winning on offense and, and they're winning by grinding and, you know, and puck possession. And, you know, it's, it's a little different than Buffalo in that way, but you're right about the mentality of the, there's no, uh, you know, really all the forwards of the defensemen buy into a system where they work hard. You have to outwork the other team. And that's what they've been doing. John Kilb, my good buddy, a former media man in his own right, a super fan of the New York Islanders, chatting here on the ML Sports Platter. That building, what's it like in there? My goodness, it's such, oh, it's got to be a riot. It's a, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's as loud as it's ever been. It's only 12,000 fans. I, I just, man, I, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it would be amazing to play a Stanley Cup final in front of 12,000 fans. You know, like it just... It's the last, I, I, I got so nostalgic at the last game, I was at game six against Boston, um, to think that, you know, this is probably the end of that building, and really, it's the last of the old-time hockey buildings in the league. You know, I mean, uh, when Detroit moved out of Joe Lewis, that was probably the next to last one, and, you know, it, 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 these old-style barns are really something, like, I miss it, like, the odd was was constructed a little differently, but it had that old mm-hmm. feel to it. Mm-hmm. Same with the old Boston Garden. Same with, you know, the old igloo in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I've been to all those buildings, and, boy, they, I, I miss those old the cap center in D.C. Like, these old-time hockey buildings that just don't exist anymore, you know, now they, they build stuff up to have suites and this and that, and the, the fans are spread out. It's not like it used to be. Um I'm going to really miss the Nassau Coliseum, man. It is, it's just, it's what I grew up on knowing hockey and until, you know, that, that was my younger years. And then when I went to college at Fredonia and I started going to Sabre games at the odd, I, you know, I fell in love with the odd. I'm sure a lot of people up there, you know, remember it well and, and miss it. It was, uh, that was a great building to go to as well. And, um, you know, I'm definitely going to miss the Nassau Coliseum. I'm glad that the Islanders, have um, put this run together this year and given the fans, you know, that one, and, and the Coliseum itself, uh, one last, you know, postseason run. Unbelievable yeah. atmosphere. Watching on television is, is a blast. I can't imagine what it's like being there, and it, it, it creates uh, energy and, and so much excitement for the next game. You know, you're chomping at the bit when, 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 when they play again, and, Really, I just think the Stanley Cup Finals, I think it's the best playoff in sports, and I also 
um, have been watching all these games religiously, uh, and, and it's just been so enjoyable. And so it brings me to this. You're so on one end with the Islanders, and then on the other end, the Yankees. <laughs> Doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how different that feeling is for you right now? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's definitely a, a wide contrast in between the the emotions of the two rooting for the two teams. Um, yeah, the Yankees, you know, they're pathetic. Uh, it, yeah, they just they, you know, I, I don't understand the expectations that people have every year for them. Um, you know, they they don't ever make the right moves or enough moves anymore to get them over the hump. You know, like it's just. And who knows? Who knows what that move will be? But um, it's so funny. The year it cracks me with the one year in 2017 when everyone said, "Oh, this is going to be the year the Yankees rebuild. They're they're going to get under the luxury tax, and they're going to do this, and they're going to start over." And then that team goes to the ALCS, you know, with with a, you know, it with no expectations before the start of the year, and then everyone assumed that because you know Judge came up and and. You know, Glaber Torres came around and, and um, Gary Sanchez that, hey, this team was here to stay. But, you know, those guys haven't, not to knock all, but, you know, the production hasn't been there that people expected. Um, not like those are not like their, their rookie years and their early years. And it's it's been a struggle. Like, they just, they, they have talent and they're good enough to win games and get to the playoffs. But... They're they're just not um, they don't I don't know they just don't feel like winners they just don't feel like winners and John people may not realize this but this roster if you go up and down it John this is an aging roster it's aging real quick I mean Sanchez and Judge even you know they're they're close to thirty it's a young man's game now you got Aaron Hicks on the books for a bunch more years you got the terrible Stanton contract you got you know and in in this 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 group of guys. You know, Severino, uh, you get Glaber, Aaron Judge, Sanchez. These, you know, this group was supposed to be the group, um, and and now they're all like they're 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 getting older. You know, Garrett Cole's going to be older in in a couple of years. Like, I don't I don't know if people realize how how old this roster really is, John. Yeah, it's not a young roster. I mean, no, we haven't really had any prospects come up since twenty seventeen, so. You know, that's four seasons, almost, you know, five, five seasons ago. Yeah. You know, a little over four years ago. So, yeah, where, where have they gotten younger? Look, we all like Higashioka. He's been around. He's still been around a while, and he's he's turning out to be a better catcher than Gary Sanchez, I think. Um, but a lot of these other guys that they picked up in free agency or whatever, they're not, Luke Voigt's not young. You know, he's not old, right. but he's not young. Uh, you're right. It's uh, they don't. They haven't produced the the really like the 19, 20, 21, 22 year old stars that you see coming out of organizations like Atlanta and Tampa and you know Cincinnati or Cleveland. Like they, there's those teams with the small markets and the small budgets that rely on player development. They're the ones that have these. These players, the Miami Marlins, look what Jeter did with them. You know, I mean, they got to the playoffs last year with a roster that nobody could name. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so yeah, the Yankees have not gone that way. They're back to they're back to trying to you know build 
built in free agency for the most part. Um, and it just hasn't worked out. I mean, I, I love Garrett Cole. Great signing. I, I don't knock that signing. But aside from that, where's what have they brought in that's been able to do anything? You know, and even, even unfortunately, some of the bad moves, like re- some of these contracts they give out, oh, the Hicks contract so and taking on Stanton's contract was just, Awful. Uh, you know, even I had talked about it many times. I mean, we were finally out from under the A-Rod contract. And then they pick up Stan or right back under the same contract of a guy that's making $30 million a year and in year four and five is basically done, washed up. Right. And we're still carrying multiple years at $30 million. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's... It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. In in the couple minutes I have left with you, I mean, it, you and I obviously agree. You gotta you gotta get rid of Cashman. You know, Boone's probably not a, a manager. He's not. He's just not. He's just not cut out for this. Plus, he's a puppet. But you know who's above those guys? Who's above everybody? Is the owner? What? Where is he? I mean, does he care? Do, I mean, I guess as long as the ratings are coming in and they're making money, who cares? I mean, where the hell's hell? You know. So yeah, he's down there, I guess, in Tampa or somewhere, and doing nothing. Just I mean, sit, sitting back, counting money. That's uh, it. That's no, it. he's not. Yeah, no, he's not involved the way his father was. We all know that. And he, you know, he said, "Oh, I don't want to be my father," and this and that. Well, you know, <laughs> listen, George wasn't all bad. You know, George kicked that team in the ass when it needed it. You know, and uh, maybe it needs it again. Maybe it needs the owner to step up because Lord knows Brian Cash was not the guy to. To do that, so you know what I um, wanted them to do, by the way, one one of my one of my fixes from last off season, fire Cashman and Boone, obviously, but hire like Alex Cora as a manager and Dayton Moore as a general manager. Yeah, it would have been it would have been nice. You know, that, I mean, I think that's yeah. What, yeah, I would I would have wanted that, but the Stanton contract to me is from a roster standpoint, John, it they just. You know, you said it a little while ago, Cashman brought him in, and, and now they're literally hamstrung going out and getting other guys because that contract is so bloated, and, and, and that's a Cashman thing. I mean, that is another Cashman, like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? Yeah. You just, a DH should never be the highest-paid player on your team. <laughs> like, that's just pathetic. I'm sorry. Like, we, you know, they got to go back to, you know, build a roster of guys that can play, and then... The DH can be a you know a veteran guy that you plug in that can hit you know like when you look at the great DHs like Edgar Martinez and Poppy like you know I mean when Poppy came to Boston he wasn't he was wasn't nearly making any money you know he came as a free agent making a little bit of money and and you know Edgar Martinez you know the guy those guys eventually because of their their the length of their career were able to make some money at the end, but they weren't always high paid players. You know, like you got to look, when you look for DH, you look for a diamond in the rough. You don't go pick up some guy for 30 million. And you know, within two years, he's he can only DH. No I mean, doubt. that's just, it's a, it's terrible. It's a really terrible job by the front office to, to make a, make a move like that. Not to know that Mike Stanton's, contract was just abysmal and never should have been on the books with the Yankees. John Kilb, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Uh, really happy for, for, for you with the Islanders and 
Uh, we'll see what uh, the, the, the series here the rest of the way brings, and uh, I'll talk to you real soon, man. You're the best. Thanks, Mike. Take care. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends over at Stanley Law Offices, the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group, and Welch & Company Jewelers. Shop the showcase today at welchjewelers.com. Wedding rings, engagement rings, bracelets, necklaces, watches, you name it. The official jewelry store of the ML Sports Platter is Welch & Company Jewelers. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to the Swan & Whitaker families as well as Prestwick Golf for their support of the ML Sports Platter. Let's bring in the New York Yankees beat man and insider for MLB.com, who also has a brand new book out, major bookstores, online where books are sold, the Bronx Zoom inside the New York Yankees' most bizarre season. It is Brian Hoke. You can follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Hoke. That's at B-R-Y-A-N-H-O-C-H, as he says in the Twitter timeline. Rhymes with Coke, of course. Brian, welcome aboard. Thanks so much. And uh, you've had some fun with Aaron Boone recently. We'll get to that. But uh, break down the book more so than this current pathetic Yankee group. How are you, Brian? Doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Uh, well. We'll get to the current you know, Yankee situation. I know you had some fun with, with Aaron Boone <laughs> recently. Um, but this... The, <laughs> Yeah, this book, this book that's out right now, uh, is part of what we've been dealing with uh, as a, a, a country, as a world, for the last I don't know, whatever it's been, sixteen, seventeen months. You kind of take it into a, a Yankee world, right, and into uh, a bizarre season for the Yanks. How weird was it for you covering this team in twenty twenty? The absolute strangest season I could ever have imagined. Uh, you know, none of us could have ever pictured what 2020 would look like. And yeah, I was with the Yankees in spring training when the world went upside down and the players came off the field March 12, and there was going to be no time. They told us uh, opening day would be delayed by at least two weeks. Well, as you know, I wound up being a whole lot longer than that, and uh, they didn't get back on the field until July. There was a long period of time where I figured I'm not walking in the Yankee Stadium during 2020. And obviously, I was. Uh, they came back up north for summer camp, and I think it was just a remarkable achievement that they were able to pull off that season. And looking back at it, getting a chance to talk to uh, most of the players, the uh, front office executives, everything that it, it took to pull this season off in the middle of a pandemic with the social justice movement happening and Black Lives Matter and also this presidential election that none of us could take our eyes off and people had strong opinions on on both sides. Uh, there was just a whole lot going on and they were able to pull off a baseball season and give us some entertainment to cheer about. And uh, You know, there was definitely a lot to cover there and hopefully we did it justice in the book. So one of the things that I heard over and over and over again on, on, on radio shows, podcasts, etc., uh, articles, reading as well, uh, you know, the, the, the beat guys really struggle because the, the, the relationship, and I guess reporters in general, but the relationship building of newcomers to a team or guys who you knew coming off of the previous year or years, you, you know, you couldn't get in the clubhouse, you couldn't talk with them, you couldn't see what you know, their morning was like, or, you know, the, maybe a player bought a new dog or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, you didn't have those interactions. That's tough for you. Cause I know that's a big part of your gig. Absolutely. I, I think that a big part of this job is getting to know people and building relationships with people. And, um, you know, as I think all of us can 
attest to, there is something different about face-to-face interaction rather than just talking over a Zoom computer screen. And that's that's difficult. Look, it, it gets the job done. And uh, understandably, we did it because that's what we had to do, because the pandemic dictated. But uh, there is no substitute for being in a room with somebody and, and seeing how they go about their day and noticing the little things that are happening. And, uh, you know, it could be something as small as the guy's wearing a, an interesting T-shirt or he's got something cool in his locker that you asked about. Um, you know, I remember back when I covered the Yankees in 2009, uh, A.J. Burnett had a little Buddha in the top shelf of his locker, and that became a story one day because it turned out to be his lucky charm and it had a whole backstory to it. So you're not going to get that kind of flavor over zoom i think what you're getting is a lot of uh, the vanilla stuff because these guys are in essentially a tv studio with a pr representative sitting right next to them you're not going to get them to open up as much as you would if it was a one-on-one conversation at their locker go get it amazon.com online where books are sold major bookstores the bronx zoom inside the new york yankees most bizarre season it's the definitive chronicle of a chaotic and unforgettable season featuring a heartfelt forward from opening day starter and lifelong Yankee fan Garrett Cole. The author is Yankees Beatman and insider for MLB.com, Brian Hoke. Uh, Brian, what do you hope people say about the book when they get done reading it? I, I think that I hope that what people come away with it is is an appreciation for uh, the human aspect of this game and, and what it took because, you know, in a lot of cases, a lot of these guys had to hug their wives and kids goodbye and then go off for the entire summer. You know, I remember talking to Zach Britton, and Zach gave me a lot of time for the book after the season was over. And uh, he was down in Texas. He had left spring training, went back home when it became clear it was going to take a while for baseball to restart. And, uh, you know, he's got four kids at home, and his wife was pregnant at the time. And so he kissed them goodbye in July when summer camp was starting up, went up to New York, and didn't see them again until after the American League Division Series in October. So I, I think that um, what this team had to do, what probably all 29, all 30 teams, the other 29 had to do, was lean on each other in a year where you didn't have that support system of your friends and family. And, you know, the Yankees did a lot of fun things to try and kind of uh, lighten the load and keep guys uh, from just sitting in their hotel rooms and watching Netflix all day. They, uh, every hotel they went to, they tried to rent out a big ballroom and they would get whatever kind of arcade games in there, uh, ping pong tables, you know, Papa shot basketball. I, I was found out that Brett Gardner was a real hustler on the, uh, the ping pong table and he was driving everybody nuts with that stuff. So uh, they, they did try to make it as light as they could in what was a very heavy year. So how do you explain the 2021 New York Yankees right now? Inconsistent. Uh, I guess consistently inconsistent would be the way I would put it. Uh, you know, the, the most glaring difficulty this team has had is scoring runs. You know, in spring training, I was in Tampa the whole time, and it never even crossed my mind that this team could have a problem scoring runs in this division. Um, I, I figured that their problem would be in the starting rotation and they wouldn't have enough pitching. Well, that has not been the case. Pitching has really carried them, and the bullpen has been excellent. And the starting rotation has been better than I expected. Garrett Cole has been an ace. Uh, Corey Kluber pitched well through a no-hitter and then disappeared with injury, but Domingo Herman has stepped up yesterday, not included, um, and been one of their most valuable pitchers. So, 
really the pitching side, you can't point too many fingers there. I, I point my fingers at the offense. And other than Aaron Judge, nobody has really had a complete season there. Uh, they do have some guys warming up. DJ LeMayhew, Gary Sanchez, Miguel Andujar. Uh, we're seeing good signs with them. But, uh, you know, by and large, you take the 10,000-foot view of this team, they're just not scoring enough runs. And when you're in a division with Tampa Bay and Boston and Toronto, uh, you're going to have to bring some firepower to keep up with those guys, and they just haven't done it. I don't think there's a fix to this because I think that the Stanton contract blocks so much of what you can do. Uh, from a roster standpoint and a, and a free agent standpoint, acquiring guys at the trade deadline, and in addition to that, this team's just not put together well across the board. And and I think also, you know, they're going to eventually break down in the bullpen. The pitching is going to break down. You mentioned Aramon, Tyone. I mean, they're going to start to see Kluber's injured. Severino got injured in a minor league. I mean, they're going to start to see the starting pitching dwindle away, and then the bullpen's going to have to do more, and they're going to start to take it while they're not hitting I just think all of these things are roping in into one, and I blame the GM, and I blame the GM for a long time. Yeah. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, you can definitely paint a dark picture of a, a summer ahead with non-competitive baseball. And honestly, in, in my position, I hope that's not the case because I have to watch all these games. So I, I want the Yankees to be entertaining and competitive and uh, to get back into this. But really, at this point, if you look at what their record is, the 33 and 32 through uh, 65 games. They're also one of their slowest starts, I think, in five years now. Um, they're on pace for an 82-win season, and that is just not going to get it done in this division. So unless they can catch a hot streak here where they can win 8 out of 10, 9 out of 11, whatever it is, uh, to really make up some ground here and get back into it, they're going to get left behind because uh, Tampa Bay and Boston are showing no signs of slowing down. Toronto, they've got a big series coming up in Buffalo where they did not play well last year up at Salem Field. So, uh, you know, the road does not get any easier here for the Yankees. They're going to have to dig from within and, and fix this problem. And, uh, you know, Brian Cashman may be able to make a move or two, but I don't think that's going to fix everything. They need 24 or 25 of these guys to really start competing the way they're supposed to. Do, do you find, though, it's interesting, you say you want competitive baseball for what you do in your job and all that, but do you find, though, that that there's more interest, there's more being triggered and questions and, 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 and barking about the team when they're doing what they're doing now? I mean, is, is, it, is it equal part here? Because, you know, when they're not good or something happens, people blame the payroll, Yankee haters come out. Uh, uh, fans, every fan's got an answer for how to fix the roster. Uh, talk radio's going bananas. Your articles are probably spiking. So, which one is it? You know, is it is it when they're successful or when they're when they're crapping out here? Which which one triggers more of a, an audience impact and interest level from from your standpoint? Well, look, we all slow down on the highway when we see a wreck, right? We all kind of rubberneck at it. So I, I think there is some of that. Um, but I think by and large, of course, Yankee fans want to see a team winning. That's what you see the passion coming through here. And, and guys are frustrated. Teams, uh, the players are frustrated. They're, they keep talking to us about it. So um, you can only imagine how the fan base is feeling. But when it comes down to it, at the end of it, the Yankee brand is built on winning baseball and winning championships, and that's what they talk about all all year long, championship-caliber baseball. And uh, This was a team that was built that they thought 
should win the division in the American League East, go into the postseason and get back to the World Series, where they haven't been since 2009. And uh, right now they're a long way away from that. So, uh, of course, there's going to be anger and frustration that they're not playing up to their capabilities, or at least what uh, people thought were the capabilities. And so uh, in my position, to answer your question there, look, uh, be really good or be really bad. Uh, One of the most boring things to be is just kind of middle of the pack average 500 team, half in, half out. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. I mean, they're one game above 500 um, and just kind of spinning their wheels. Aaron Boone, you asked a very fair question. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but just simply, you know, is is this team getting used to what's going on, right? Is this team used to what's happening in terms of losses? And he barked back at you. Um, I thought it was a fair question by you. All right, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I I mean, look, I've covered enough baseball in my career where I've seen teams that – uh, a general malaise starts to set in and guys are kind of slumping their shoulders. And this team has now lost 11 out of 15. And you start to wonder if guys are just accepting what's going on here. And so I, I thought Boone reacted the way you would want him to react if you're a manager, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, because you want your manager to stick up for his players. And uh, But I thought that it was a point that should be made here and look i <laughs> got a reaction i am sure that every newspaper used that quote maybe the reaction so uh i guess that was a good thing there and maybe that winds up being their new savages in the box kind of thing maybe it's a rallying cry and, and they can all say that uh, you know ooh, that big bad brian hoke he started <laughs> he started all this and he got us fired up i mean if, if so I'll, I'll wear that I'm, I'm a big boy i can take it so um but yeah no if you're a yankee fan i think that that's what you want you want to see some fire. You want to see some emotion. And uh, just coming into the Zoom room every day and, and saying, oh, we're close. We're going to turn it around. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. I saw some good signs. Uh, I don't think that's going to cut it. Yeah, it's the same It's the same crap every year, every game, every post game, every cliche, every everything. You know, adding a wide everybody's last name and all the nonsense and, you know, bobbleheading to the front office. It's just it's getting so old. I got one more on the book, and I'll let you run. If we have to go through what we just did with coronavirus or another a different name pandemic or something else that's a challenge that's similar to COVID-19, how do you think you'll prepare in covering for, you know, covering the team and, and, and what to look out for and, and different strategies, whatever the case may be, you know, patience, whatever it might be, roll, roll it all into one here, Brian. How, how do you think you'll use the experience of being a beat man for the Yankees during the crazy times of the Yankees in 2020 for, for a future challenge? That's a great question. Nobody's asked me that yet. Um, I, I think that, uh, look, I mean, this is a once-in-a-century pandemic, right? You have to go back to the Spanish flu of 1918. So none of us had any experience in what the heck was going on last year and there was so much misinformation and uh, so much uh, panic really on that. So I think that the fact that we've all been through it now, um, look, if this pops up again in five or 10 years, I mean, I pray that doesn't happen, but uh, if it does, I, I think there would, there was a long period of time where we were wondering, um, are we supposed to be wearing masks? Like, what are we supposed to do here? Um, you know, there was, you can cut all of that out. And I think that, uh, 
you know, hopefully the government will be more prepared than they were for this one. But, you know, like I said, as far as a baseball coverage perspective, maybe the season doesn't have to get delayed for three or four months while they're trying to figure out how to play through a pandemic because they already have a playbook to go off. That was one thing that kept coming up in the conversations with, uh, you know, I talked to not just the executives in the Yankee organization, but, you know, the people in stadium operations and uh, epidemiologists and people who ran Major League Baseball. And they were just saying there was no playbook here. We were really going up, coming up with a plan on the fly. You saw the Yankees revamp the schedule at one point where uh, they were in Philadelphia for three straight days without playing a game. And then somebody came up with a bright idea. Why don't we just put them on a bus and we'll, we'll send them to Baltimore and they can play the Orioles. And they did. And like things like that that you would never think possible in a baseball season happened last year and so maybe uh i think that it would we would all be a little more familiar with it and able to manage it but like i said uh you know hopefully we never have to go through anything like that again no doubt about it he's the yankees beat man and insider mlb.com on twitter at brian hope that's at b-r-y-a-n-h-o-c-h brian-hoke.com go get the new book it's called the bronx zoom Inside the New York Yankees' most bizarre season, online where books are sold, major bookstores, a forward by Garrett Cole. Brian, I've always enjoyed our, our chats through the years. Uh, keep on keeping on here. You do a, a amazing work. It keeps getting better, and uh, appreciate the time here, pal. You got it, Mike. Anytime. Thank you. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our good friends at Rosie's Corner. Pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. Don't forget about the classic burgers as well at Rosie's Corner. Available on Grubhub. If you're in and around Central New York, grab Rosie's and stop in every Friday for Fish Friday. Pair it with the mac and cheese or the coleslaw and French fries as well. A big shout-out as well to Bryant and Stratton College for every end in life. Go get your two- and four-year degrees. They start soon. BryantStratton.edu with two great locations in the Central New York area, James Street and in Liverpool. Bryant and Stratton College is the official College of the ML Sports Platter. And also a big tip of the cap, thank you to Heather Saxton from Hunt Real Estate. You know how it goes, folks. Buying and selling a home, it's just so stressful, time-consuming. A lot of it really just isn't that fun. But with Heather, it is. And she makes home more than just a place. It's a feeling. Heather at Hunt on Facebook, licensed real estate salesperson. Heather Saxton, go find her on social media, buy and sell a home with her. Big time thanks to Islanders superfan and former media man John Kilbin, the beat man for the New York Yankees for MLB.com, Brian Hoke. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartMedia, Amazon Music, you name it, CastBox. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device, and you can hit me on Twitter at MikeLSports. As I always tell you, Enjoy the games.
cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.